Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Friday, and you're listening to Just Another Fanboy, which would make me Stephen. I hope that's what my ID says. I mean, if this is my wallet, it looks like my wallet. There's no money in it, so it's got to be my wallet. <laughs> I love joking about being poor, it's fun. It's fun to joke about being poor and destitute and living paycheck to paycheck and worrying and sweating and living near a heart attack at any moment because you don't know how you're going to put food on the table. Ah! I'm kidding. I mean, (laughs) we're not rich, but it's not that bad. Oh, my goodness. So today... On your Friday episode, I'm going to talk about a newer book. I picked this up on Wednesday through uh, Comixology. It was released on Wednesday, November the 20th. And it stood out to me only because... Well, let me just tell you what the title is. It's The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage. Now, this is a DC black label book, which means that it's, it's mature. It's for mature audiences. Now, there's no bat PP in this. There's no PPs of any kind. There's no PPs or TTs or VVs. None of that's happening in this issue anyways. But there is the occasional F-bomb that they drop. So that's a, that's that's their maturity level, I guess, is, is the swearing. The violence um, really didn't come across a lot of really violent stuff in this issue. But anyway, the reason I picked it up, I have always wanted to really, there's something about the question that just intrigues me, but I've never read much of the question. I remember the question being a part of 52 back when DC did that weekly 52 book. I remember the question being a part of that. I remember various miniseries of the question being out 
you know, in the 80s post-crisis. Because the question, like the Blue Beetle, it's one of those, um, oh, one of those Charlton books. It was created by Steve Ditko and for Charlton Comics and DC bought Charlton Comics and brought these characters post-crisis into the DC universe. You had the Blue Beetle, you had the question, you had Captain Adam. I'm sure you had others, a peacemaker, somebody like that, I feel like. But there's something about the question I've always liked. I mean, he's he wears a fedora and a suit and tie. He looks very much similar to the shadow or um oh my goodness, why can't I think of that? The spirit. Very reminiscent of characters like that. Uh, but he has no face. So his he he doesn't really have any superpowers. He can just fight really well. He was trained by a dude named Richard Dragon, who shows up in this book. But he has this uh, chemical. Again, I don't know a lot about him. Going into this book, I know I only know bits and bobs about this character enough that I'm very interested. So I'm sure there was a lot of stuff in this book that harkened back to old school question that I just didn't pick up on. So while I enjoyed it, I wasn't able to enjoy it on that level. But he basically, he has some kind of chemical on him that makes uh, this mist appear around him and look all mysterious. And he has this mask that makes him look like he has no face. It's just a blank sheet of skin in front of his face. No eyes, no nose, no mouth. And he seems to be very much... He likes things to be black and white. He feels that everything is connected. Everything, there's an answer to every question. And that's his job is to answer those questions. He asks the questions and then he gets the answers. Now, this was written by Jeff Lemire. Pencils were by Dennis Cohen. Inks by Bill Sienkiewicz. Colors by Chris Sotomayor. And letters by Willie Schubert. So just looking through, I mean, Jeff Lemire, the dude's got to be making some bank. Don't you think? He just seems to be writing all kinds of stuff. I see his name popping up every week on books. He's just writing stuff all over the place. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think writers get paid as much as, as artists. And the way writers make money is by writing multiple books. Of course, for a writer... It could be argued that they could easily, you know, you get you an artist can work on maybe if if they're fast, two books a month. But most of them, one book a month, and for some, not even that. A writer, on the other hand, can work on multiple books a month. And Jeff Lemire seems to be doing just that. He's just writing all kinds of stuff. And as a writer myself, it's got me wondering. I remember. Yeah, I'm going to tangent for a minute. There's a great book that Stephen King put out called On Writing. If you've ever, you don't even have to be a writer to really enjoy this book because a lot of it tells the story of how he got into writing, his basically his journey from um, not being famous to being famous to a certain extent, the, the up to the point that his first book really hit. But one of the things he talks about in that book is that as a writer, what you do is you just you just freaking write. You write and you write and you write and you have all kinds of stuff. You you just write stuff 
And maybe you write something and you're not sure if you want to shop that around just yet. Uh, you, you write it and you, you save it somewhere. You put it in a drawer or, or back then in his day, you would print it out or type it out and you'd have the hard copy and you'd stick it in a safety deposit box or something. But in the end, you would have just a drawer full of manuscripts. And at some point after you sell your first book, and then your second book, and then your third book, you've got a drawer full of stuff to go back to. When, uh, you know, if you want to try to put out a book a year, you've got six or seven other books just sitting in a drawer waiting to be taken out and maybe reworked a bit. I don't know. But it makes me wonder, all this stuff that Jeff Lemire is writing right now, is some of this just stuff that he had, you know, before he really hit that he'd written and, 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 uh, you know, stuck in a drawer, basically. They're sitting on a on a flash drive or sitting out on the cloud. And and now that he has made a name for himself, he's just, hey, I got another idea for a story. You know, he's going to Image Comics or he's going to DC or, you know, wherever. And he's, because he's all over the place. I don't know that I've seen him doing anything for Marvel, but he seems to do a lot of stuff for DC. And then he's got his creator-owned stuff. And I think kudos to him because I've, I've yet to read anything from him that I really haven't liked. And then you've got Dennis Cohen. I mean, he's a freaking legend. Bill Sienkiewicz. Hello. These are some big names. And they're on a character that, again, I don't have a lot of history with, but I am so interested in. I'm just, I want to, I don't have a lot of easy access. I need, I need to, I need to go on Comixology and just do a search for the question. This is one of those characters that when I'm sitting in front of my computer or, or or I got my phone in my hand and I'm over on Comixology and I'm thinking about books from the past that I want to look up and see if there's, you know, because being a low-rent fanboy, I'm always looking for the sales or stuff that's on Comixology Unlimited. You know, I'm looking for the deal, whether that's on Hoopla and I'm trying to read the book for free through my library or I'm on Comixology and I'm looking for the deals. There are certain books I remember from my youth that I'm always looking up and trying to find stuff for and trying to reread a lot of the stuff that I used to read. And for some reason, the question was not there. It's it's not, it wasn't something I have been looking for. Blue Beetle, man, I'm all about trying to find some old blue, and they've got all the old issues on Comixology. I'm slowly buying them. I, I Instead of buying, there's not a trade which is fine. So I bought the first three issues. I'm, I've read the first two. I'm, I'm the third one's next. And as I finish them, I'll buy the next one and soon I'll have a complete digital run. Now I have most of them in fricking in a comic book box in my attic, but the question never popped into my head as far as I need to see what stuff comiXology or Hoopla might have in regard to the question, because it's a character that I, I, uh, uh, Speak, Stephen, speak. It's a character that I remember being around in the 80s, but I don't remember really reading anything back then. Again, I, I feel like my real my first exposure to the question was during 52. And then after 52, I think Vic Sage got, um, he was killed or something because he was replaced by Rene Montoya. So I did read the Rene Montoya question for a bit, and I remember really enjoying that. I feel like, did Greg Rucker write that? He was a big Rene Montoya guy. He really liked, Rene Montoya may have even been one of his characters, if Greg Rucker is the guy I'm thinking of. But 
when it came to Vic Sage question, never really read a lot. And it's one that when the when it, when I see a title like this, I'm like, oh yeah, the question. I need to now now I'm wanting to get onto comicsology and and dig deeper into past issues of the question and see and see what's out there. So this issue, this was a 49 page issue. I don't know how many of those pages were story. Most of it was story. Um, at least I don't know 44, 45 pages of it. 44 pages were story. But this, uh, you've got. The question, Vic Sage, he, he's based out of a, a city called Hub City, and it's a very corrupt city. And it, the, the corruption is all due to the mayor. The mayor is involved in organized crime. And when Vic Sage is not being the question, he is an on-air personality. He is Vic Sage, the host of a, you know, like one of those news opinion shows or a news magazine show on TV called um, Hardwire, I think it's called. And he's on there talking smack on the mayor and blaming everything, you know, all the problems that the the corruption in the city on the mayor. And he's trying to bust the mayor, basically. But when the book opens up, he is in a, um, a house of ill repute. I'll put it that way. A city council member, I think it was a, it was one of the one of the local politicians, I think it was a city council member, is there. And he seems to to like he seems to enjoy having dalliances with underage prostitutes, and so Vic, as the question, he has to beat up the guy's bodyguards first, and then he gets him. He takes out his phone and he gets some uh, footage of him showing him there in the brothel or whatever you want to call it. I don't. For some reason, the name of this place does not. Uh, these places I don't freak with them, so I don't know what they're called. Anyway, he uh, he leaves. He's on the air that night as Vic Sage, and he's talking to the sister of the mayor. And he's accusing the mayor of all these crimes. The sister, who's an alderman, whatever the heck that is. I know it's a politician of some sort. I don't know what an alderman does. She denies everything. She defends her brother. He shows her footage that he says was given to him by an unnamed source or a, an anonymous source of this councilman that that the question, the footage the question took, and um, explains to her that even though the police showed up, there's no record, there's no police record of the councilman being there, which is another sign that the mayor is corrupted. She leaves, the mayor's lawyer comes and gets her, and they leave. Um, but there was a, a ring that the councilman was wearing at the at the. The place with all the prostitutes. Why can't I think of the name? The Prostitution House. Good Lord, what is wrong with me? He was wearing a ring that had a certain symbol on it. And then the lawyer, when he comes to get the the uh, the mayor's sister, the alderman, the lawyer is also wearing that ring, the same ring with the same symbol. So he goes to see his friend, Tot, who apparently is a is an, his old chemistry professor. And he's the one that created all the, the mask and the the... The crazy, mysterious gas. I don't know exactly what the gas does. I'm not, they don't really explain it in this book, but I feel like at one point during 52 or during the Rene Montoya question that the, the gas actually makes the mask dissolve or appear or I don't, I don't know. I can't remember what it did, but it, anyway, Tot doesn't recognize the ring. So he goes on Google and he actually finds 
the ring because at one point he goes, "Question: How do you how do you Google a symbol when there's no keystroke for the symbol?" And he basically just types in "strange symbol hub city," and he actually gets a hit. And he's like, "Wow, that actually worked!" And there is a secret society back in Hub City. And the last mention that he can find about it is like 1925. But they wore these rings and that symbol was their symbol. So he goes to investigate this, the, the, the old headquarters of this secret society. Now, while he's doing this, two other things are happening. And he talks about how everything is connected. That's what he says. That's his big thing. Everything is connected. So at the same time, there is a... Two young men, two brothers, they're both African-American. One is coming home from college. The other is picking him up at the airport. They get pulled over by the police for running a stop sign. And the, the cops, who are white, treat them with a level of hostility that they shouldn't be treating them in such a fashion. But they're only doing it because they're African-Americans. And one of them ends up getting shot and killed. Now, at the same time... The mayor's sister, the alderman, she she goes to the to the to his office to talk to him. The lawyer won't let her in, but she bursts into his office because she's 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 really upset about the the footage she saw of the councilman. She's not supposed to be there, but she bursts in and she walks in upon this scene where the councilman is tied to a chair. He's been beaten up. There are a few thugs in the room, and the mayor's like, "Oh, sister, you you really shouldn't be seeing this," and. At the same time, again, Vic Sage, the question, he has gone to this derelict warehouse where this secret society used to meet. And he finds this this staircase that leads down to this basement. And in this basement, it takes him deeper down and he finds a hole, a pit. And he finds this room that's like made out of rock and there's this pit in the floor. And surrounding this pit are skeletons, dead bodies and robes, skeletons. They've been there for a long time. And one of them, has a bullet through its head, and it's wearing his mask. And so he's freaking out. He takes the mask. He comes back up to the surface. That's when he learns what happened with the police officer and these two uh, young African-American men, and one of them getting shot. And there was somebody was there with a, with a phone and got it all on video. And, there are, and they are now rioting. There's, there's riots now just in the streets. But he... He leaves and he goes to visit his old mentor, Richard Dragon, to ask him, you know, I need to know what's going on. Everything is connected. The spirituality stuff doesn't really, it doesn't make sense to me. But here's this guy who was wearing this mat. How, how, could, how could this happen? This, was, this looks like it, it was uh, almost 100 years ago that these people had been down there, but they were wearing my mask. And so Richard Dragon says, all right, well, let's let's see if we can get to the bottom of this. And he gives him a cup of tea. He puts something in the tea that he says, you put something in my tea. Oh, my gosh, I'm feeling woozy. And he goes, well, I need you to open your mind so we can fully explore this. And then it ends with Vic Sage is in this field, and he's he's the question, and he stumbles across this boy. He's like on the outskirts of this town. He stumbles across this boy and he's like, where am I? And the boy looks at him and he goes, mister, you ain't got no face. And then you see, it's like, it looks like uh, it's, it's an old West almost type of situation. And then that's where it ends. So the deaths of Vic Sage, it, 
it looks like what they're setting up is now we're going to revisit, we're going to like his past lives or peop, other people who may be, maybe they were the question throughout history. I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't know if we're going to be dealing with like a reincarnation, a past lives type of thing, or if, or if like with the Ghost Rider, you know, Johnny Blaze wasn't the first Ghost Rider. There have been Ghost Riders all throughout history. I don't know if that's what we're going to be dealing with. Uh, all I know is that it ended with the To Be Continued, and then it showed the cover for issue number two, and it basically has the question looking like a gunslinger. And I'm on board for that, man. That they're, he's Jeff Lemire is hitting my buttons right now. He's writing a character that I don't know a lot about, but am very interested in knowing more about. And then uh, by the end, of the, by the next issue, he's going to turn him into a cowboy, a gunslinger. Heck yeah, Jeff Lemire, you do that. Now, the art style of Dennis Cohen with Bill Sienkiewicz inking. At first, I was I was I was slightly put off by it. It doesn't look it doesn't look quite like Dennis Cohen. It doesn't look quite like Bill Sienkiewicz. You know, you're not seeing like the old uh, New Mutants back when Bill Sienkiewicz did the New Mutants. It's not the word I would use is scratchy, maybe even scribbly, little scribble scrabble. So at first, I was I I don't know I if it wasn't the question. If it was uh, maybe a character that I wasn't all, you know, super interested in, I might have given this a pass just based on the art alone. However, the art combined with Jeff Lemire's writing, it really worked. The Dennis Cohen knows how to tell a story. He knows how to how to throw them panels down. He knows how to set it up. He is he he knows what he's doing. He's been in the he's been in the game long enough. You you see a lot of you know, there's a lot of guys and girls out there that are great, phenomenal, super duper, flashy looking artists, but that doesn't mean they know how to how to put the panels in the right place and put the camera angles where they're supposed to be and tell the story sequentially in a in a logically pleasing fashion. Dennis Cohen knows how to do that. And of course, Bill Sienkiewicz is also a master. So the story flowed well enough that the art at cursory glance wasn't all that into. Once I started reading, it just it just flowed. And it just, I don't want to say page turner because since I read it digitally, I go panel to panel. So it was a panel turner. And it really, it really just, uh, it really worked for me. It really, everything came together the way it was supposed to. And, and they, the, the three of them, uh, along with uh, your your colorist and your your letterer, they just crafted a really well put together story that kept me interested. It kept me engaged, and I'm ready for issue number two. Now, these being black label and being a higher page count, they are a little more spendy. They're a little more spendy than I like to than I like to to do. A little more money. A little more. A little more expensive. A little more than I like to pay for a single issue. But really, it's like it's two issues. So there's a big part of me that's hoping with the page count uh, that it's not going to come out every month. It is a limited series. I don't know how many there there are going to be when the story's over. I don't know if it's a four-book series or a six-book series or whatnot, but there's a big part of me that's hoping it'll only come out every couple of months just because of the, the scratch that I got to pay for the book, which, you know, wasn't that bad 
for what is in essence, you know, really when it comes down to it, it was a double-sized issue. And anymore, you see those double-sized issues and they're like $8.99, $9.99. This was, I think, $4.99, I believe. Because I think after my, di- no, it was, it might have been $5.99. I think after my discount, it was $5.49. I don't, I honestly don't remember at this point, but I really enjoyed it. And now that I'm done reading it and now that I'm done talking about it, I am going to sit down in front of both Hoopla and Comixology and I'm just going to type in the word, the, the words, the question. And I'm going to see what, what they have to offer because I really kind of want to dive into this character and learn more about him because I find them very interesting. And if either of them have the Rene Montoya question, I, I'm kind of looking forward into, to getting back into those because I remember really enjoying those as well. Anyway, that's my episode. The question, the deaths of Vic Sage, not the death, it's plural. They're going to take us through what feels like all the times that he has died in past lives, I guess. Again, I'm not 100% sure, but that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like we're getting into here. But it looks like a fun ride, and I can't wait for the second issue. Until then, until next week, because it's Friday, go out, celebrate, throw your hands in the air, and wave them around like you just don't care. My name is Steven. I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park